Welcome back to the Crash Course Podcast. My name is Craig Crash Collins, joined as always by Brandon Scott, otherwise known as B. Scott. We've got a lot of basketball to talk about tonight. We're going to talk a lot about college basketball as, you know, in a couple of weeks here, the scheduled start of the college basketball season uh, will be underway. Um, we're gonna so we're gonna talk about Purdue. We're gonna talk about IU. We're gonna talk about Notre Dame, Butler. We're even gonna get into uh, a mid-major school that we think could have a, a pretty good season. So you know what? Uh, I'm really excited to be Scott because you know kind of you know this you know we're getting into a part of the year where like we're gonna get college basketball going again, which is always a fun time. Um, you know, uh, getting everybody back on the court again. Yeah, and you know what? I just I realized I I, I stepped up to the, the the plate wearing my uh, March Madness gear. I see that. I like which, it. I'm digging which it. big potential breaking news. Not nothing finalized, obviously, but I mean Indiana just got some great news potentially today, and the fact that uh, the entire men's basketball tournament looks like it's going to be held right here in the state of Indiana in Indianapolis or surrounding areas. Um, so that's, that's exciting. Obviously the news broke and, you know, they're trying, they're saying that they want to try to get everything finalized by January 1st and, you know, talking to uh, city and state officials. I know um, channel 13 here in Indianapolis tonight did a story um, that Butler and Indy sports Corps are working really hard on um, getting this finalized because this would be a big deal for the state of Indiana. I mean, basketball grows here is the motto for the state, essentially. And to be able to host the NCAA men's basketball tournament bubble, in essence, that'd be a pretty cool thing for the city. Oh, yeah. I'm really excited about that possibility. Now, something that got me even more excited um, when I sent this tweet to you, B. Scott, was uh, where... Uh, was a tweet where somebody said, you know, if they're going to have all of the NCAA tournament in the state of Indiana, what they also need to do is they need to make it to where like other big gyms and big, you know, schools throughout the city and, and throughout the state get a chance to host, a, you know, host some games. Um, you know, I, the, some of the pictures I saw were Newcastle. Of course, that's uh, the, you know, the biggest gym. You've got Southport. You've got some places like that. Now, granted, Probably isn't going to happen, but, you know, because most likely it's going to be Lucas Oil, it's going to be Hinkle, it's going to be the Pepsi Coliseum, it's going to be uh, Banker's Life. You could possibly, I don't know, could you get two courts in Lucas Oil? Like, if you really tried, if you really well, wanted to. you see, okay, I'll go just preface. I don't know anything. I, I know as much as everybody else knows. Um, and, I mean, that's pretty much obvious for everything out there. I don't know anything. But <laughs> to me... Lucas Oil Stadium, it, I mean, if you're not going to have fans, if it's going to be like a true bubble like the NBA did, um, Lucas Oil just doesn't seem like a, the right fit to me. Honestly, what seems like a better fit um, would be the um, convention center. You can actually, the in the ballrooms of the convention center, I mean, the I think it was the FIBA World Championships, we're at the Indianapolis Convention Center back in the early 2000s. I mean, the U.S. got completely embarrassed that year that it was here in Indianapolis, but it was at the convention center and there were multiple courts set up. So you could conceivably have multiple courts set up at the convention center. You could have courts set up. You can play games at the Pepsi Coliseum. 
Hinkle Fieldhouse. I don't know about how Banker's Life Fieldhouse is going to work out, mostly because the Pacers are going to be in the middle of their season. And I, I don't know the exact date, but possibly could collide like the first rounds or the early playing games. Like the first two rounds could potentially collide with um, the IHSAA state basketball, men's state basketball championships as well. Uh, I'm trying to remember when those are. I should know these things because when I was in high school, we played at that state every year. Um, Weird flex, but okay. It's fine. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, it was usually, it was usually around my spring break, but around spring break was also, the final four. I mean, so I'm just trying to remember if, if that seems to line up correctly. I but. mean, to be fair, I also should know what weekend it is because I got to call a, uh, I got to call the one, a state championship for basketball in 2018. I think it was. So uh, that's a lot, that's a lot sooner. I mean, that's a lot more recent. Than yeah. And, and, I, and I have no idea. So <laughs> it's fine. But, it's all good. So I, that makes me wonder about bankers life field house and the availability there for it, because to have that many games and that, and, I mean, there's a lot of basketball that could be played at that point in time in the state of Indiana or the city of Indianapolis at that and trying to work around the Pacers schedule, uh, boys state championships, bankers life may be an issue. Now, hosting for like the final four and uh, the national championship, I could see it being at bankers life field. That was a smaller venue if you're going to allow any sort of fan in in there, like par- like like kind of like the Big Ten's doing, I guess, parents and family and friends. Of, of teams um, and person team personnel, I think Banker's Life would be a good fit. I mean, obviously the women's Final Four national championship, any t- the most recent years that have been held in Indy, has been at Banker's Life. But to me, it just financially, it doesn't seem like Lucas Oil Stadium would be a smart move um, unless you're going to allow fans. I don't know, but you know, there, there's plenty of options around. And I know there was even some words in the press release used that you know, surrounding areas. So that makes me then wonder like, Hey, are Mackey arena assembly hall and Worthen arena, are those in play because those have the ability to be set up for major broadcasts. You got to think about that as well. Cause when you're looking at high school uh, basketball arenas, I mean, maybe Newcastle, maybe Newcastle, Newcastle, Southport center Grove, perhaps. Um, like those are the only three that, uh, Carmel doesn't it, I don't Carmel's is not as big as you as you think really it, it's I've never been but I just assume <laughs> I've been in there a couple times and it's it's not as big as you you would think um so the the cameras would be almost right on top of the court I mean that may even be the case for a place like Pepsi Coliseum you know, Hinkle Fieldhouse is set up for it, obviously. Mackey Arena is set up for it, obviously. Worthen Arena. I know Worthen Arena is set up for it because I've been a part of those broadcasts there. Um, now, the only thing that could get logistically pro- problematic with putting it on college campuses, though, too, is the fact that, like, you know, that, you know, college campuses, as we've seen through, you know, some of the Big Ten season, uh, you know, in football and then other, and you, especially the SEC this past weekend, obviously, you know, college football has ha- not where it's been like an extensive outbreak, like we saw, like with the like the Marlins during baseball season. But like I'm pretty you know, bad in the SEC. Yeah, it, it is getting pretty bad in the SEC. But like you, you've seen a lot of outbreaks there and like college campuses, like you can have a bubble there, but not really a bubble, especially when you put, right. you know, 
you put kids close to, you know, basically that same environment that you're trying to get them away from so you can have this bubble scenario. Right. Right. I, that, I mean, that is the issue. Now, obviously hotels, these, these players, basically like the NBA to, to and from the playing venue back to the hotel. I mean, essentially, I, I don't know I mean, that I've never played on a NCAA tournament team or anything like that. I, I feel yeah, like that's that, essentially, I, I feel like that's essentially what they do have to do anyways, because right. of scheduling and everything. Oh yeah. But um yeah, I mean, it's just a, there's a lot of moving pieces to this. I, I feel like that with a lot of questions, but it is it is a great sign that this is going to happen. You know, you know I, I feel like it's I'm more confident today after hearing that that a basketball tournament can happen yeah. than I was probably earlier this week when the cases spiked to record numbers here in the state of Indiana. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very relieved. Um, not that I, I don't know what I expected. I don't know that I expected there to not be an NCAA tournament again this year, but I definitely was worried. Oh, about were, what, oh I can't. Yeah. Yeah. That I was like, I definitely like horrible. Yeah. I definitely like was thinking about like, well, you know, cause again, cause it's like we talked about kind of last week, we're kind of finally coming full circle where it was during basketball season that everything shut down in the first place. And obviously, you know, everything is different than it was back then, mm-hmm. uh, which makes it sound like years ago. And it was just literally a few <laughs> months ago. It felt um, like years ago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> back before we knew who Carol Baskin was. Um, you know, we, we, we didn't I think know. we would have figured out who Carol Baskin and the Tiger King were regardless. We <laughs> just got lucky that that premiered right at the beginning of uh, lockdown. <laughs> true. Very <laughs> true. But yeah, no. So I, I, I'm very relieved to know there's, there's a plan in place and that there's a plan early on too. Like obviously yes. the college basketball season hasn't even, you know, started yet. We're still a few weeks away from when it's projected to start and we're already, ha- we already have a plan. I mean, you know, obviously you know, you know, things kind of had to happen quick with the NBA and, and Major League Baseball, uh, their postseason, as far as getting a bubble together. And now they kind of have well, a Major League baseball for getting their season even started. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, no, I'm just saying like they had to. Yeah, they had to like they put a bubble together literally within the last like few weeks of the regular season. Um, and so it's good to know that um that college basketball is getting ahead of this and trying to make sure like hey i know that you know it's not for another five months or so uh but you know we uh we want to make sure we have march madness figured out yeah and you know and then this sets up um they can get this all figured out obviously this sets up good examples then for women's basketball for ice hockey um yeah i think that's the uh, winter side of things that involve like a tournament, but right, like right. multiple site tournament. Like, cause I know like with me, I'm on wrestling and everything and we're one place for four days. So that, you know, you're pretty much in a bubble essentially right. there, but I'm just thinking if, if this can, can all come together, this sets up a good model then for other things moving forward. I, I honestly, I feel like we can all sit back and thank the NBA for this. I mean, had they not put together this bubble type model and how successful it was, I, I, I feel like there would be a lot more uncertainty and I'm glad that I'm glad that there is a plan 
like a modeled plan out there for um, different organizations and leagues to follow. And I know um, some of the conferences were looking at that type of thing too, but logistically for conferences to do something like that was going to be a nightmare just because these are student athletes and not athletes that are students. Um, obviously courses and classwork come first and um, trying to figure all of that out during the regular season would have been a, a complete nightmare for the conferences. And we saw how bad the big 10 handled uh, just figuring out how to play football. I mean, right. could you imagine them trying to figure out how to handle a bubble? Right. <laughs> um, and another good thing too, you know, one real quick thing before we get into kind of the previews here is, is, you know, what we were going to originally start off the podcast with um, was the words from Iona coach Rick Pitino talking about like, he wants them to push the season back, have a uh, May madness and that kind of thing. And this sort of thing kind of puts that to bed says, Hey, we're going to get this figured out early and, and definitely have it in March. Cause I think, for one, I think the whole league only approach, uh, or at least keeping it regional is probably, you know, going to happen, but at least, you know, we have a plan for how to get the season finished and, and over with on time. See, if you push that back to May or push the season back by pushing men's basketball back, you would essentially be then having to push everything. I mean, you got to remember there's been some fall sports and some conferences that are moving fall sports to the spring. So there's going to be those fall sports championships are going to be happening, happening in the spring. I mean, we all lock just base our lives around college football, but they're a different entity. Totally. I mean, they run by their own beat of the drone drum. Um, but like, you know, you look at like cross country, you look at volleyball, soccer, a lot of those things are getting moved into the spring, which is the same time that these winter sports championships are happening. So if you move back basketball, that's setting the precedent then to move everything else with it, which then gets moved right into the championship time slot for your spring sports as well. And that is a logistical nightmare, a logistical nightmare for TV broadcasts for people working championships for student athletes, just everybody involved. I mean, if I, I, I would probably want to pull my hair out just thinking about it if I could, but I can't. Um, so I, I don't see basketball getting pushed back. I think, I mean, one, it, it kind of has been pushed back already. Technically we should have had a basketball season start already. Um, so I, I think, I think it's going to start here in, I think, 10, nine day, 10 or nine days. Yeah. Something like that. I'm not good at math. Never said I was. Hey, um, we went to Ball State, so we don't we've get been over this before. Math. That Ball State education <laughs> math taught me other things, but not math. Um, but yeah, you know, here in the next two weeks, basketball is going to be starting and it, you know, everybody's got their schedules in place. I know Purdue finalized their schedule last week and, you know, it's, it's a good regional schedule for them. I mean, obviously they start off on the road down in Florida they were supposed to be in Cancun, but that's the farthest away they travel. I, I believe looking at their schedule until you get into big 10 play. So, I mean, teams have got things figured out now. Let's just, let's just run with it. Let's just go. Yeah. You want now it's, you just have to figure out, are you going to allow fans into the stands or are you not? And obviously that's on a school by school conference by conference basis. Whatever, whatever you feel is best for you to make sure that you can put a product on the court, let's do it, in my opinion. Now, let's uh, before we get into uh, the, the 
team previews. Um, let's go ahead um, and let you know that you can follow us at Crash Course FM on Twitter. Uh, you can like us on Facebook, Crash Course Podcast. Uh, go subscribe to our YouTube channel, Crash Course Podcast. We have, uh, you know, uh, not only do we repost the entire podcast, uh, the video portion every week, uh, but also we have little cut up segments as well if you, you don't want to miss that. Um, and remember, you can listen every week on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever the Crash Course Podcast can be heard. Um, you can find it anywhere, wherever podcasts can be heard. Um, and also, um, we want to let you guys know a little bit of an announcement. Uh, this will be the last podcast streamed on Facebook. Uh, starting next week, we will be streaming on Twitch. Um, so uh, we are going to go ahead and make that move over there. So the first week is going to be on my personal Twitch page, uh, Crash, uh, Craig Crash. So if you want to go follow that, uh, feel free to do so. We will provide links uh, leading up. And then uh, in two weeks, we'll actually have our own page um, you know, where you can go follow as well. So make sure you guys are locked into that. Um, and also real quick, before we get into the previews, let's go ahead and knock out this word from Anchor. All right, so let's go ahead and dive into the college basketball preview. Um, start, first, we're going to start with the Indiana Hoosiers. Uh, last season, they went 20-12. and 12. They were 9-11 and 11 in the Big Ten. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis emerged as an impact player. He averaged 14 points and 8 rebounds per game. There are a lot of high hopes for freshman uh, Christian Lander, but this IU team last year, kind of the big story from them is they were terrible um, as a shooting team, 170 or 172nd in two point percentage, uh, 204th and three point percentage. This team uh, was very lackluster last season, uh, you know, but there are a lot of high hopes um, for IU this season. Uh, you know, looking at what the experts um, have projected for IU, they do have, uh, you know, looking at CBS, they do have them projected. Um, at seventh in the Big Ten, they do have them ahead of Purdue, actually, B. Scott. So you may want to write a strongly worded letter to CBS. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is an IU team that under Archie Miller is really trying to get back on track and really trying to uh, get their feet under them um, and start, you know, kind of getting to a place of you know national relevance again. Because I know they they haven't been where they would like to be as far as the national stage is concerned. Um, seven. Right, exactly. So, you know, this is an IU team that has high hopes, but um, they, you know, are putting a lot on, um, you know, some of these younger players and, you know, those shooting numbers are just kind of hard to look past from last year. Yeah, they, they really are. Um, I, I didn't realize they were that bad. Um, that's kind of surprising, especially the two point percentage with Trace uh, Jackson Davis, you know, but when you look at this team, First off, this team is loaded with talent. There's no denying that. Um, Archie Miller has proven himself to be a good recruiter. He knows how to sell his team to good players. I mean, obviously, Trace Jackson Davis, a five-star recruit. Romeo Langford was a five-star recruit. Christian Lander is a five-star recruit. You don't just continuously land five-star recruits without being a good recruiter. However... Those numbers right there tell me everything that I can see from the from an eye test with this team in during Archie Miller's tenure. He has no idea how to utilize the talent once he gets it onto into his practice room. He has no idea how to utilize it. And those numbers right there show it to me. For goodness sakes, Trace Jackson Davis was a beast on the inside. As the season early on in the season, yeah, he wasn't 
totally acclimated to the college game yet. But as the season went on, he got progressively better. I mean, I, I, I'm not a basketball coach, but I even know that you feed the hot hand. You feed your best player. You create plays to get the ball into the hands of your best player. Right. Or am I wrong? Am I, am, yeah. I mean, I mean, tell, I, me if I, if, tell me if I'm wrong on this concept, but it's one of those things that like, you know, you don't have to be, you know, a top of the line, you know, college basketball coach to kind of, you know, pick up on. And, and, and yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's well, one, you, it's you one do. thing, it's one thing when he's at Dayton era and you can take these players that were snubbed from, you know, other area schools, you know, that they think they should be able to play at an Ohio state or, or something like that, and they can say, hey, you know what? You have your chip on your shoulder. This is a big enough and a good enough mid-major program where you can kind of show those bigger schools, you know, what they were missing. And instead, uh, he hasn't been able to make that talent really translate over to the IU side of things where, you know, he doesn't, you know, those players aren't playing with those same chips on their shoulder. They're going to IU expecting greatness, and that's just not happening. Right, but at the same time, he would, I feel like he was that way even at Dayton. He left Dayton. Look, all of a sudden, Dayton is now a very good team. Really? Yeah, it's true. I mean, it does. the numbers don't lie. The eye test doesn't lie. It's not like he's not getting good players. I mean, come on. He didn't know how to handle Romeo Langford. He, I feel like he's not utilizing Trace Jackson Davis to his full advantage. And I'm interested to see how he handles Christian Lander. By the way, Christian Lander was a player that reclassified into this this recruiting class so there may be some growing pains there for him i mean not too much he was a five-star regardless but still there may be some some growing pains because he should technically be a senior in high school age-wise but and how does archie handle that you know he he hasn't shown the player development he hasn't shown he knows how to truly utilize the talent once he has it he has shown that he knows how to get the talent and that's true and I, I'm hoping, I mean, I hope for the sake of competitiveness that he can kind, he can fi- try to figure that out. You know, I mean, there's a rolling joke. I, I mean, it's, it's not a really a joke anymore, but there's like, there is literally, it's almost been, I think, four years since IU beat Purdue in basketball. No joke. Wow. Matt Painter runs circles around Archie Miller, to be honest. And I hadn't realized that. I think it's like, I think it's like eight consecutive wins for Purdue against IU. And that's even last year when Purdue was not good. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm just, I'm being honest here. I'm not trying to be a Homer, but from what the eye test shows me is Archie, it just does not know how right now. I mean, it may come, he does for right now though he just is not proven that he knows how to utilize his best players to their fullest capabilities I, I mean and that's going to hinder them i also believe that a shortened non-conference season is going to hinder them as well this is where the homerism will possibly come in right now but it is fact iu does seem to load up their non-conference schedule with cupcakes i mean they're playing teams i've never heard of before i mean it, it, it is a, and it is sometimes a they have a hard time handling just those teams <laughs> i mean they'll never they'll never schedule ipfw again i guarantee nope. you that <laughs> uh, but i mean 
there's there's seriously there's teams i'm like who is that is that even a division one team that that they brought in and they beat up on them by 40 points and everybody's like this is a great team hang another banner it's like hold on you beat the ivy tech junior college team for the blind school essentially i mean who who did who did you even play and then it's like oh look the purdue boilermakers they lost to texas right (laughs) (laughs) i mean come on what they lost to florida state it's like I mean, yeah, IE did beat Florida State last year and Purdue lost to Florida State. I will give them that. But still, it, it, that's, I think that's going to hinder them this year as well as they're not going to have that big cushion there. I mean, they're, they're trying to schedule as many of those teams as they possibly can. Uh, but that, that cushion's not going to be there and they're going to get thrown into Big Ten play pretty quick. And that's going to, be re- that's going to show up in their um, overall record. Now, do I think they're going to be a possible tournament team? I think they could. They have enough talent. If the talent just says forget this and just plays, because that could have that could eventually happen here. Like Christian Lander is a point guard. He knows who the best player is out there besides him. He's gonna feed it to Trace Jackson Davis. <laughs> I mean, eventually the players are just gonna say, you know what, coach, we're actually smarter than you, and uh, we've got this thing figured out. I mean, yeah. it, it does. It shows the the. Per- how IU and Purdue are perceived now with almost with now within the state of Indiana. I mean, yeah, Christian Landers from the Evansville area. So that's, I mean, that's IU's back right in IU's backyard, but you look at just recently in recruiting Purdue landed. Um, oh, Kaufman. I forget his first name. Kaufman Wren. Um, out of Silver Creek, Indiana, which is right down there in IU territory as well. And this kid is surrounded by IU fans. And, you know, IU people were thinking, we have this thing locked up. There's no way he doesn't come to IU. And then he signs with Purdue. So I, I feel like the, the perception and the bright lights of IU are starting to fade. I mean, let's be honest. These kids that are now you know, IU's recruiting – weren't even alive for IU's last, they may have been alive, may have been alive for IU's last, I mean, they may have been like one or two years old for IU's last national championship run. Yeah. So you can't hang your hat on that too much anymore. And the banners, those things are getting dusty. I mean, last one was, it was 87. I was born in 87. I'm old as dirt. So (laughs) I'm just, I'm just saying. It's kind of, the, it's the same and thing then, we talked about you, with Notre you look Dame. At, when you look at Purdue and, you know, their big splashy run to being seconds away from making the final four um, against eventual national champ Virginia, you know, and then, you know, it's just the perception I just feel like is, is completely starting to change within the state of Indiana. If, if the media follows suit, then yeah, that could happen. But I mean, IU is still IU and it's always going to be in the state of Indiana, but I think in recruiting terms and in um, trajectory, uh, I think Purdue is starting to pass IU or has passed, not starting, has passed IU. And if I had to put money as if I was just an innocent bystander that just looked at the numbers, looked at recent history and everything, I would probably put my money on Purdue winning a national championship or making a, making a final four before IU. 
That brings us to uh, hot and cold. We're going to do, or high or cold. We're going to do it uh, by team here for the uh, preview. Uh, so the hot or cold question for IU is IU will finish with a winning record in the Big Ten this season. I think that's cold. Uh, they haven't done so since the 2015 2016 season. That is the pre Archie Miller uh, era. And honestly, there's a lot of uncertainty in the 2020 season. You know, will will some of these younger guys be able to step up? Will they be able to get their shooting woes under control and back going the right direction? Will, you know, what are the, you know, we all, we've already seen, you know, how, you know, the coronavirus and stuff has, has affected college football and that kind of thing. Um, so there's some things that could get in the way that way. I mean, obviously it could happen to any team. So that's not something to hold against IU, but at the same time, there's just a lot of different variables that are at play, a lot of moving parts. And so I just, especially if it's, just a Big Ten schedule. I don't think IU uh, finishes above 500 in the Big Ten. And so we'll, we'll see, um, you know, if they're able to, uh, you know, what will happen if they're able to, you know, fit in their schedule of non-conference foes. Um, but, yeah, I th- you know, as far as Big Ten play is concerned, I, I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I agree. Um, I do think this is a cold take. Um, I think they will be close again. But – it will be interesting to see how the top half of the Big Ten performs. Obviously, people are very, very high on Illinois and Iowa and Michigan State, as always. Um, and surprisingly, Wisconsin. I guess I guess I shouldn't be surprised about Wisconsin. Wisconsin was the co-Big Ten champs last year, which totally surprised me. I'm a, I'm a Big Ten guy, and I follow the Big Ten. But when that happened, I was like, wait, what? With, what? Wisconsin was co-Big Ten champs? And they were actually scoring too. It wasn't the Bo Ryan thirty nine to thirty seven finals. Right. Well, I, I I mean I didn't watch Wisconsin. I'll admit I didn't watch Wisconsin's games too much. The one game of theirs that I watched was Purdue absolutely curb stomping them in Mackey Arena. So that's what right. I after I took I saw that and I'm thinking, wait a second, that team won the was a co Big Ten champ. But you know they're still they're up there. Um, and then. There's always some teams in the Big Ten in the middle of the pack in the back or in the back half that overperform. I mean, they, uh, Rutgers expect- even got high regards this year. I, I feel like Rutgers has yeah. a lot of returning players. Don't be surprised. That, that team, I feel like, is a, a, a tournament team as well. But so I, I think this is a cold take mostly because the uh, how what their schedule ends up looking like, and also to use your argument from last week on why I, or a couple weeks ago as to why IU could beat Ohio state in football with the lack of a home crowd and home field advantage. Well, that's going to work against IU in basketball and not True. having the home court advantage with assembly hall rocking. Now, unfortunately assembly hall has not been totally full for most games here in the past few years. So We'll see. But you know, that, that is a, that is a difference maker there as yeah. well. You're not going to have the craziness. And I mean, I'll, I'll admit it. That's also going to affect Purdue. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> time. Probably more so Purdue than it would IU because Mackey's a, one of the toughest environments in college basketball. Um, but yeah, I think this is a cool take because there's just a lot of uncertainty with, with their team, a lot of uncertainty with how the other teams in the big 10 are going to perform and then how is it going? How is the the lack of a home court advantage going to affect them? 
Now moving on uh, to the Purdue Boilermakers. Uh, last year they were 16 and 15, also nine and 11 in the Big Ten. Uh, Travion Williams was a, a big force for them: 12 points, eight rebounds per game. Sasha Stefanovic, nine points per game. He was almost 40 percent from three-point range, uh, 39 percent. Eric Hunter was also a key player uh, with 11 points per game, but they were inconsistent. Um, they lost to a mediocre Texas team at home, but then they were able to blow out Virginia. Um, they did defeat five ranked teams, uh, which was the second most in program history, and they're one of 10 D1 schools without a senior. So it's going to be interesting to see what they are able to do from the standpoint of it, it reminds me a lot of the football season for Purdue in the sense that, you know, they had, uh, you know, in, in football last year, they had a lot of young talent that was kind of thrown into uh, battle, but that experience is really going to help them um, this season. It's kind of the same situation um, for the basketball team is they don't really had they don't really have to you know move on from anybody who was a big contributor last year instead um they can build on what they were able to do last year and 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 kind of um kind of use that experience they got last year to help them through this uh 2020 season so i want to kind of counter that not having to replace anybody that was key contributors they did lose to transfer nojel eastern right and matt harms now, you might say, oh, well, Nozell couldn't shoot worth a darn. I mean, getting hit free throws or anything. Yeah, you're right. Defensively, Nozell is going to be missed immensely. I mean, he was a lockdown defender. You could guarantee that he was going to lock down the other team's best player. Um, and then Matt Harms, yeah, he wasn't lighting up the scoreboard or anything, but he was fairly athletic for his size and was a very good rim protector. Surprisingly, he was not a very good rebounder, but he was because but he was a very good rim protector. And that that I have a feeling is going to be missed. Um, however, I do feel like that is going to open up more opportunities now for some of these younger guys that um in my opinion are better. Um that Matt Painter has recruited. For instance, I think now we're gonna see uh, more of Jaden Ivy, a true freshman out of South Bend. Um, he played at La Lumiere last year. His mom is actually the uh, women's basketball coach at Notre Dame. Mm. Um, um, Nell Ivy, it for everybody out there. But um, he is ex- he's very talented, very athletic, and has a has a good shooting stroke. But he just he's very smart when it comes to basketball. He's very He's got a high basketball IQ. Then there's Ethan Morton, who is going to be that type of Nogel Eastern, that 6'5 point guard. Um, he's probably not going to be as much of a lockdown defender as Nogel was, but he's going to be a better shooter. And he, uh, Matt Painter has described him as one of the best passers that he's ever seen or ever coached. And that says a lot because Dakota Mathias was a very good passer. Um, so that's going to be, that's gonna be a, one to step up and watch there. And then, and then um, other guards to look at, obviously, um, Brandon Newman, a redshirt freshman um, from Valpo. Uh, he's a guy that it was, when he, his, in his recruiting class, was regarded as one of the best shooters in the country. So it'll be interesting to see how he can play. I know um, one of the knocks on him last year, the reason they ended up redshirting him was because he just wasn't getting a good grasp on the college game and the Purdue playbook. But in his defense, apparently the Purdue playbook is very intricate. (laughs) And 
not exactly the easiest one out there. So, um, but you know, he's got another, he's got a year of practice under his belt and apparently he's playing very well in um, preseason practices. Now the big one that I think is going to be a big loss is the Matt Harms one, just because he was a high energy guy and he um, was such a rim protector and that also losing him also is going to have a huge hit to the depth um, of the back uh, of the center position for Purdue. So you got to hope that Travion Williams is in some of the best condition of his life because he's not going to have a guy like Matt Harms there to spell him for periods of time. Or if he gets into foul trouble, he, he needs to play some of the best basketball he's ever played. However, there has been the emergence though of another center who reclassified to join this class. Um, and I'm sorry for all the fans out there, but yes, Purdue landed themselves on yet another seven footer, actually over seven foot, seven foot four, Zach Eady, <laughs> who used to play hockey. He played hockey before he played basketball. Could you imagine seeing a player out there at seven foot four on ice skates? Yeah, I'm getting the I heck out of the make, way. I think you'd make Zidane Chara <laughs> look really small apparently this guy is almost like built like an isaac haas but he moves much better because of his background in hockey apparently he has performed really well in preseason practices as well and um the coaches are really high on him and are actually going to be expecting a lot of contributions out of him this year he is looking like he's locking down the backup center position uh behind travion williams so that's that's really good to see as well um but this, this, what this team needs to figure out is leadership first and foremost. That was one of the things the team lacked last year was leadership. And that was what led to a lot of inconsistent play, especially when, I mean, you could get up for a game against Virginia. You could get up for a game against Michigan State. Those games were in Mackey. You just live off the, the energy in that building and you can get up for those games. Obviously, Virginia wasn't, as good as they were the year before, as we saw as the year went on, Michigan State was. We'll give that to them. But um, they just need to figure out leadership, which is going to help them be more consistent this year. Um, I think they may be a little bit underrated in the preseason rankings for conferences. I think they're coming in at number eight yeah. in, most poll, in most people's polls. I think that's a little bit low. But it is fair because of how they performed last year. I think they're going to be one of those teams at the middle of the middle or the back end of the pack that's going to overperform from their preseason expectation because of the talent that they have there. I, I do believe that it's not last year, I think was a fluke for that team and this for this program, Matt Painter is a much better coach than that. And I think he's got this team rounded back into positioning themselves into being the program that they, they, they once were. And I, I could see them over, I could see them exceeding uh, preseason expectations of them. So that gets us into hot or cold for Purdue. Uh, now I was trying to think of possibly a question uh, that would trigger you B Scott. I was like, should I ask like, 
you know, after Purdue, you know, didn't play as well last season in the Big Ten, is Matt Painter on the hot seat? Or do I – no, I know he's not. I'm, I was trying to make you mad. <laughs> that would be a horrible yeah. question. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, all know the yeah. answer no. that. Well, and then I was like, well, wait, do I do what I did last year and predict uh, Purdue to finish uh, in the NIT? Um, but no. So this is the question I've got for you, B. Scott. It's not going to trigger you. Um, but uh, it is – uh, Purdue will finish in the upper half of the uh, Big Ten this season. I think that is a hot take. Uh, fan cited uh, had their ceiling as the number four team in the Big Ten and a Sweet 16 team with their floor being the 11th seed um, and an NIT bid for them. Um, and I think they'll split that. I think I think they will be about that mid-pack. Now, uh, CBS has them at eight. I do think they should at least be above IU um, at seven, if not above Rutgers at six. Um, I think that it'll be kind of in, in, inner, you know, in between those predictions that you saw, um, earlier, um, you know, that I think they've got a lot going for them and they're bringing back a lot more. And then again, you know, like we've said, or, you know, coach Painter is just, you know, it, you know, just has his team, uh, you know, knows how to dial in his team and does things the right way. So, uh, I'm really excited to see what Purdue can do, but I do think that's a hot take. Um, I think, you know, will it be a season what, like what we've seen typically in the past where they make a run of the Big Ten championship? I don't know. Uh, but I think they are going to have a good year and be kind of in that upper echelon, um, you know, between that six to six to eight range in that uh, upper half of the Big Ten and be a, and then definitely be an NCAA tournament team. Yeah, I think this is a hot take as well. Um, I feel like, like I said, I feel like the leadership has gotten better. Matt Painter's gotten a, a hold on that with his team and I, they're going to play more consistent. I think they're going to be a much more athletic team than they have been recently. Um, they're going to have more shooters once again, which is, which is key. Last year, it was really Sasha Stefanovic. Out, you, know, you were expecting Aaron Wheeler to do big things, but he just had a dud of a season. I, I feel like he, is a, well, he can only go up from where he was last year, let's be honest. And I feel like he will. I, feel, I think he's going to rebound. Um, from what I'm hearing, he's, he's playing a lot looser. He just was playing really tight last year. He had a lot of high expectations on himself. And I think he's, you know, coming around to, okay, let's, let's really just, let's just go out there and play. And I think you're going to see some, some moves from him, but if you can, if, the, if Purdue can find the shooting touch that they had the past few seasons outside of last year, they're going to be a tough team to beat because obviously it's a Matt Painter team. Matt Painter teams don't make big mistakes. They play sound defense and they move the ball consistently. And if you have several shooters out on the court at once with a scoring threat inside, like Travion Williams or potentially Zach Eady, that, that's, that is a tough matchup for teams. Um, I do think Purdue has an opportunity to finish in the top four or five of the big 10. Um, but you're right. Their floor is potentially I don't think it's as low as 11th. That, that's pretty low. Well, and I think that's just based on the fact that the Big Ten is deep, like we've talked about before. Right. The fact that I, you I have – I think you know, really the team, that, the team probably, that's like – you know, the team that's 10th is not a bad team. No. Um, I mean, it's the Big Ten, let's be honest. The Big yeah. Ten is some of the class of basketball. But um, I think their floor is probably about where their preseason predicted at CBS, probably about eight or nine. Um, and I – I don't know if there's even going to be an NIT. <laughs> I guess, oh, yeah, I probably not. Um, but honestly, I do, I do think this is a tournament team. They are a lot more talented than people are giving them credit for because they are a young team. Nobody really truly knows what they're going to look like. But 
you never know with Purdue. That's the thing. I mean, two years ago when they won the Big Ten, uh, Carson Edwards last season, you got to remember, this was a team that started the season off horrible. They got blown out by a bad Notre Dame team. I mean, it looked like this team was destined to go nowhere. And then they got on a run in the Big Ten in Big Ten conference play, ended up winning, or I think they co-held the Big Ten that year, um, I think maybe with Michigan State. Uh, I, I can't remember. But, you know, they won the Big Ten championship and made that run to nearly the final four. So, like I said, you just never know with Purdue. that, And that's what's fun to watch about them. And I don't know. We'll see. But I think they are a team that has – that will definitely finish in the top half of the Big Ten. I can now, say that because if you finish at seventh, you're in the top half of the right. Big Ten. <laughs> now, um, you brought up Notre Dame. Uh, so here's a fun fact. Notre Dame was a 20-win team last year, and I almost forgot to include Notre Dame on the outline. Like well, that's Notre how... Dame doesn't believe they're part of the <laughs> state of Indiana. So. Right. So I, I like, was making – you know I. You know, I wrote the outline for you know, IU, wrote the outline for Purdue, wrote the outline for Butler. And I was like, I was going down through, I was looking, I was like, who's the, like, of the mid-major schools, which I know Notre Dame is that. When I, when I was looking for a mid-major school in the RPI, and I was like, I scrolled down, scrolled down, I was like, oh, Notre Dame, Notre Dame exists. <laughs> so I was like, I thought they were only a football school. Uh, yeah, I thought they just played football. But yeah, it's crazy to think. You know, because we, because I, I thought it was weird last year when we were doing kind of the, you know, conference, you know, we were getting ready for conference tournament play and that kind of thing or uh, earlier on in the season. Um, you know, I was like, wait, why are, why is no one talking about Notre Dame as an NCAA tournament team? They're 20 and 12. Uh, they also went to uh, 10 and 10 in the ACC, but they were not a very good team last year. Um, they do return Prentice Hub, uh, who will kind of take over center stage for the Irish. He averaged 12 points, five assists per game last year. They also have Juwan Durham uh, back as well. He averaged eight points and five rebounds. He's one of two grad students on the roster. There are no other seniors. So it's kind of similar uh, to the Purdue situation in the sense that they have a lot of youth that played last year and that can only help them this year is that youth uh, has had now a year under their, be- under their belts. Now, unfortunately no postseason to kind of get under their belt to kind of have that kind of, you know, experience though. Uh, but they do have um, that year under their belt. And now they get to take over. Now the thing that is different from Purdue um, is that they're not losing um, you know, a big chunk of their scoring uh, like to do in the fact that they lost uh, that Notre Dame loses John Mooney, who was an absolute force uh, for the Irish last year, 16 points, 13 rebounds. I mean, when you're averaging a double double and you're missing that now this year, um, you know, does not bode well uh, for Notre Dame. And so, you know, you'd like to think again, like, <clears throat> excuse me, you'd like to think, I mean, you know, of the three coaches we've talked about so far, Archie Miller, uh, Matt Painter and now, uh, you know, Mike Bray, I mean, Mike Bray's this, you know, you know, better, you know, in the top two in that discussion. Um, and it's up for debate from there on. Um, and you like to think, a co- you know, a, a Mike Bray team would be in, in better shape and, and you would feel a little bit more confidently going into a season, but um, there's a lot of question marks. Um, I mean, much like there are with the other Indiana teams this year, but just a lot of question marks for this Notre Dame team this year. Yeah, there is. Um, I know they weren't a very good team last year, but they were even worse team the year before. True. So they are steadily improving. It is really interesting to see Mike Bray teams struggle as much as they have over the past few seasons, 
because I remember it wasn't that long ago that Notre Dame was one of the best teams in the country. Well, I mean, they beat Kentucky a couple of years ago in the sweet 16. So I mean, where, where, where can we find another guy for Notre Dame? Like Luke Heron Gody? Yeah. I mean, that's a, as a Notre Dame of a name as you can get. Oh yeah. Um, but I think, I think what happened was ball state got the win over them and it's just been downhill from them from there. Was that last year? That was no, that was, year. Two, that was two years ago. That was two years ago. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, it, in their defense, the ACC is an extremely tough conference to play in as well. And, um, I mean, when you're going up against Louisville, Duke, North Carolina, Virginia, and Syracuse, night in and night out. And, I mean, don't forget, like, NC State's not all that bad. Virginia, Virginia Tech, Tech is usually yeah. pretty decent. Um, Florida State, Miami, they're always up there, too. It's, it's not – it's a gauntlet for them. Um, for me, the biggest expectation I have for them is this to show more improvement from last year. And – as long as you can show that you're still, you're on the right track to getting back to a, a tournament team, you could still sneak into the tournament. I feel like, I feel like there's going to be some, because of COVID, you never know what's going to happen. There's going to be teams that are going to drop out. There's going to be teams that are going to miss a lot of games. That's going to eliminate them from the tournament and Notre Dame could be right there. And if they just play, it's all about consistency. And this team just needed to, needs to be consistent night in and night out and show that they have that fight. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, now looking at the uh, hot or cold question uh, for Notre Dame, um, the question is Notre Dame will finish above 500 in the ACC. They're projected by CBS to finish 12th. Um, and I think that's a, a cold take. I think they do finish under 500. I think it is going to be a gauntlet for them. There's there's too many question marks. Losing uh, Mooney will be just too much for them. And I think, you know, do I think they're going to be – you know, terrible. No, but also, I mean, especially if it's a league only schedule, I mean, with no kind of relief to go against, you know, you know, get kind of, you know, get into a rhythm against some of those, you know, cupcake teams. They do have a, they do have a non-conference game um, against Purdue. Okay. I, I mean, um, it's the last year of the um, Crossroads Classic, I believe. But yeah, so I just think it's going to be, I mean, like I said, projected to finish 12th out of, you know, 16, you know, teams, it's going to be a rough go for them this year. I think it's going to be a definite learning year. There's, you know, if they can get some players to step up, um, you know, on their, on that roster, then I think they may be able to, to do fairly well, but I just don't see them um, being an above 500 team in, uh, in 2020. Yeah, I agree. This is a cold take. Um, I mean, they were last year, they were 20 and 10. No, I mean, uh, I mean in the ACC. Oh, in the ACC. Yeah, oh, they were ten okay. and ten in yeah. ACC play. Um, you know, yeah, it's a cold take. I think they could finish at five hundred, to be honest. But Virginia is going to be much better. I mean, Virginia is not going to be this uh, a down team like they were last year. Uh, Florida State's always really good. Miami is going to be better. Uh, Duke is Duke. North Carolina is North Carolina. Louisville's Louisville. Syracuse has an opportunity to be better as well. So it is going to be a tough gauntlet for them, just like it has been in the past. Uh, so yeah, I do agree. This is a cold take. I don't think Notre Dame will finish above 500. I'm hoping for 500 for them. Now, final team that we're going to talk about tonight, um, as far as <clears throat> the power five goes, um, and that is, uh, or at least, you know, the, the more major conferences, uh, that is the Butler Bulldogs in the big East. 
Uh, last year they were 22 and nine, 10 and eight in the Big East. Um, but and we talk about going into this season, uh, they had they had last year they had the uh, Bryce brothers who are uh, you know amazing who had a great years last year. They had Bryce Nice who averaged nine points, seven rebounds. Bryce Golden who averaged eight points and four rebounds per game. So they had in in you know also played really uh, great defense for the Bulldogs last year as well. So those guys are coming back. Who's not coming back? Um, are Kamar Baldwin and Sean McDermott, who combined last year averaged uh, 28 points and 11 rebounds. So they do lose a lot. Now, what is kind of different? Because I know you think, oh, hey, Craig, didn't you just talk about Notre Dame uh, losing a bunch of you know big talent? Well, you know, why should you believe in Butler, who's also losing a lot of big talent? Um, they do get a really good recruiting class coming in this year, um, include uh, which. Includes, I know this isn't technically a recruit going in, but uh, Jair Bolden, who transfers from South Carolina, he averaged nine points per game. But what's most intriguing is he shot 40% from three point range last year, which is better than anyone on the Butler roster. So you kind of you lose Kamar Baldwin, but then you add a talent like Jair Bolden, I think. It'll be a situation where, you know, yeah, he wasn't getting a lot of playing time in the SEC. He moves down to the Big East. And now he's going to get um, you know more of an opportunity to kind of showcase his talent. I, I think there is kind of a drop off expected for Butler, but I don't think it's maybe as big as some people might think losing the amount of talent that the Bulldogs are losing. Yeah. I mean, it is going to be tough. I, I um, let's see here. Let me get everything here. I got my note. Let me check my notes. Um, it is going to be, a, I think it's going to be some, uh, some tough growing pains for Butler this year. I think they're going to be. I don't. I don't know if they're going to be ninth in the Big East. Uh, it, it could be a, a like a Purdue type situation. It may be a little bit too low for them. I think they're going to be one of those teams that could um, outplay the current expectations for them. Um, but there could be growing pains for this Butler team. I'm I'm really interested to see now how Laval Jordan can coach this team because in the past he had Sean McDermott and. Um, Kamar Baldwin to, to lean on. And those guys are gone. So who's going to step up now and be that leader is going to be one thing. And it's, it is a young team. Um, so I am interested. I, I am kind of interested to see this team play, but uh, especially, I think the biggest loss, um, I can't remember his name, but he was a transfer from Duke. He's testing the waters for the NBA. And I don't think he's going to get drafted, but he decided to keep his name um, decided to forego his last season. He was had he was lined up to be their biggest leader, in my opinion, this this season. So that's going to be a big loss. Um, this could be a team that I don't know. There's just so many question marks here. This is a tough one to even wrap your head around, in my opinion, because it, it's it's Butler, and we all know just you don't, never want to sleep truly on them. But it, they just haven't had that same Butler magic with under Laval Jordan, and I wonder if I think the Butler year... magic is more Brad Stevens and oh, yeah. not so much you know, like just the. I mean, now Butler had success obviously before Brad Stevens, but at the same time, yeah. Um, well, even, uh, I, I think even uh, prior after Brad Stevens, there was some of that Butler magic. Gosh, my brain is shutting down. <laughs> and I cannot remember. He's now the head coach at Ohio State. But when he was the head coach at Butler, um, they had some good runs there as well. But 
I think this year could, you could see some growing pains definitely for this team. And uh, as the season goes on, they, they, I think they're going to get better. And when you have such a young team like this, not having full workouts constantly is going to be a detriment to them. So I think early on out of the gate, they could be a little slow out of the gate, but they'll pick the steam up as they get into big East play. So that brings us to hot or cold. The Butler Bulldogs are an NCAA tournament team. I think that's a hot take. Um, Now, currently they're picked to finish ninth in the big East by uh, sports illustrated. They were left off of ESPN bracketology. ESPN bracketology had five teams um, from the Big East in, and they uh, were not projected as one of those five. Um, there are uncertainties with the teams projected ahead of, ahead of them, though. I mean, looking at the CBS ranking, they're ranked seventh. Uh, but again, it, it's one of those situations where the teams in front of them also have question marks. You know, Providence has to replace talent. Marquette has to replace talents. A couple of times, a couple of uh, uh, previews have Xavier in front of them. They have a lot of question marks, and yeah, so does Butler. Uh, but I do think that the addition of Jire Bolden does give the team a shot in the arm that they can capitalize on in the post uh, Baldwin and McDermott era. Um, so I think they do capitalize on that and, you know, do sneak into that, you know, fifth or fourth spot. Now, one big kind of wild card in this season uh, in the big East is the fact that UConn is back, um, which uh, kind of gives, you know, the, the big East kind of that old school feel, which I'm happy about, um, yeah. you know, I, UConn, UConn's in the right spot now i feel like you know it was kind of weird not seeing uconn in the big east so i'm glad they are back so um now and i will say this you know we talk about some of that butler magic um but what the magic that butler has been able to show here recently is against some of the top teams uh especially villanova in the big east so they've shown oh you know over these past few years that they can contend with the top of the big east um, I think they do. Yes, they lose some big talent, but they get some big talent in this year. So I think I think that it's going to be good enough to slide in there. Now, are they going to be, you know, are they going to be a highly ranked team? You know, are they going to be a highly projected team in the big, you know, in the in the in the big dance in the NCAA tournament? Probably not. I mean, they're probably not going to get past, you know, the first or second round. But I do think that they are an NCAA tournament team. Yeah, I, I agree. This is a hot take, mostly because if they just put together a, a solid record and pass the eye test, they could make it just based on their conference alone. I mean, the Big East is a tough conference to play in, and I think that's good. having to run through that gauntlet itself will help them uh, get prepared for tournament time. So, yeah, I think they have they have the opportunity to make the the tournament based just solely based off of the conference they play in. If they just play well enough. It's all you got to do is you just got to play well enough, get into the tournament, and then who knows what could happen. Now, uh, one last thing before we wrap up here, Um, you know, thank you guys all for listening and watching. Um, I wanted to, you know, unfortunately we don't have enough time in the podcast to go through every single school in the state of Indiana and give a preview for them. So we wanted to wrap up the night giving a mid-major school in Indiana um, you know, kind of a shout out and a uh, prediction of, you know, a team to watch from the mid-major side of things in the state. And my mid-major school um, is going to be Valpo. And here, I mean, here's the secret. Here's a little peek behind the curtain, B. Scott. What I did was I went into the RPI rankings. Um, I found the first place team in the RPI for the state of Indiana. And then I said, who's second? That's the team I'm going with. 
Um, so that would be Valparaiso. They are projected mid-pack in the Missouri Valley Conference. Um, but again, it's a situation where, you know, their returning talent is, uh, you know, someone who had got a lot of experience last year was kind of thrown to the wolves and succeeded. Uh, Donovan Clay averaged nine points, five rebounds in 2019 as a freshman. So, I mean, if he can kind of take that next step as a sophomore uh, to lift up that very ex- uh, experienced roster that the Crusaders have, I think it's a situation where, you know, do I think they're going to make the NCAA tournament and win the Missouri Valley Conference and make some big waves? No. Uh, but I think they're going to have a successful season. I'm putting more faith in them than I am, you know, Indiana State or Ball State, who I originally picked. I originally picked Ball State, but Ball State, man, you know, I, I, I the last few years it seems like they just have you know a lot of hype going in, you know, to especially come at MAC tournament time, and they just can't seem to get it done in the end. Um, so hopefully that year's different for them. But I think the safer bet is a team from the Missouri Valley Conference, and I mean Indiana has three of them: Evansville. Uh, uh, Valparaiso and Indiana State. Uh, that's one of the more um, you know tougher mid-major conferences out there. So I think Valpo has a chance uh, to really make a splash and really have a good season. Thanks, Craig, for taking the most obvious one out there. <laughs> so when I it's was what I do. Hey, they were second. I figured the second RP second best team ranked in RPI. That was a mid-major Indiana school. I thought that was a safe bet, um, and that's why I went with the second best because ob- the obvious choice would be the first best. So one of the things about me is I'm one of those people that you remember those tests you used to get in elementary school that you would answer all the questions and you got down to the bottom. And the last question on the test was told you not to answer all of the questions, answer any of the questions above. Did you ever get those tests? (laughs) No. If I did, they were supposed to teach you to learn to read instructions before you did anything. I never did very well on those. And to this day, I still don't do very well on those. Long story short, um, I, I read best mid-major, uh, mid-major to give a shout out to, and I did not see the Indiana part. Uh, so I did not prepare for <laughs> the Indiana <laughs> team. I was going to go with BYU. Uh, but <laughs> um, those of you who are wondering, BYU is not in the state of Indiana. No. No, but I mean, from it. hey, but go but, ahead. Yeah. Since we have to go with Indiana, I'm pulling up some quick research here. <laughs> the third, the, the second, the, the, I mean, right behind Valpo in the RPI rankings is Ball State. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with Ball State just because why not? Yeah. It's got to click for them eventually, doesn't it? Hey. And, I, I love to hear that because that's typically my like that's the whole reason why I picked Michigan to win the Big Ten a couple of years ago. I was like, at some point it's gotta work out, right? And it still I mean, hasn't. But <laughs> it, it has to. I mean, okay, so they have a 17.7% chance of making the tournament, a 12.8% chance of being an automatic bid, a 4.9% chance of being an at-large bid. Most likely seed for them is the 13th seed at a three and a half percent chance. And get this, they have a 0.1% chance of making a run to the final four. So I'm just going to say, I mean, the high, I mean, they, they're above one, at least 1% for as high up as, as an eight seed. So, I mean, obviously their range is somewhere between eight and 15 if you're going to look most likely and i i could see it happening i mean it it's 
It's going to be the 2020-2021 season. 2020-2021 season. Anything can freaking happen this year. Oh, yeah. let's, be, let's be honest. I would not be the least bit surprised to see Ball State play with their hair on fire, make a run through the MAC tournament, and somehow land an eight seed. I, I, Especially because last year, I mean, anybody that returns from the squad last year knows how good this team was playing right before COVID shut everything down. So, yes. you know, it, it's not a bad choice at all. I just, I just, you know what? I didn't want to go with my heart you know, and picking ball state. So I didn't do it, but, but, but yeah, that's, I like, mean, that's like me picking Purdue to win the big 10. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think while, you know, they have had their troubles, you know, come time to play in the big game. I mean, that's not out of the realm of possibility that they may have, you know, just a great run and, and like that much like they did at the end of the season last year. But at the same time, you know, we look at them with high expectations and the same thing. I, I feel like this is just, this is just ball state for you in a nutshell. Looking at the football team, everybody's healthy. They've got some good talent on that team. They have an opportunity. And then they come out in the first game and yeah, <laughs> and then have to have, go on a game winning drive to beat Eastern Michigan. I'm like, Oh, come on. Can you, we just for once. Now I will say Eastern Michigan is a better program than when we were in college. Yes. Eastern Michigan has yes. gotten better. They but, are a much improved team, but it just, it just kind of feels like, come on, can't Ball State ever have nice things? No, never, never. I mean, you've got a nice new football complex being built. Yeah. Yeah, yep. but it's just like, I felt like Mike knew was it. I felt like Mike knew was going to be the next uh, Pete Lembo. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I thought that was going to be kind of the same situation. And he had some successful years at the beginning. Now, granted, that was probably more or less with Pete Lembo's players. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we'll see this year was supposed to be a much better year. I feel about that new football complex, the same as I did about my high school, uh, building an auxiliary gym the, the uh, year after we went 0 20 in basketball. I was like, what do we do to deserve this? <laughs> what, 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 what do you think three extra courts on the East side of the school is going to make us a better program? It I don't helps think with so. PE classes. It helps. True. With it, it, actually, it actually, down. it actually, now, the, football, the football complex helps with recruiting. True, true. You gotta, remember, in college, you can recruit. That, that's how you make your teams. You recruit, and you got to have wait, a nice, tiny Wait, thing. wait, Back up, B. Scott. You can recruit? You can I need, recruit. I need a lesson on, on, on recruiting in Well, compared college to high school. Right, right. Right. Yeah, wink, wink. Oh, <laughs> you can't God. recruit in high school. Um, but, in, yeah, in college, you can. So you got to have nice, shiny things to – make recruits want to come to your play, come play for you, come visit you. Which is why Ball State is now the, you know, Midwest version of Oregon with like 17 different uniform combinations and, and all that good stuff, which, you know what, not to get off on a tangent, because I know we said we were wrapping it up here, but man, I just miss the old school Ball State look. Like I wish they would bring it back more than they do because they don't bring it at all back anymore. Like we're talking, I mean, even when they changed it up while we were there, yeah, that was still a good ball state. It was still pr- played pretty good homage to the original ball state yeah. look. You know, so, the white pants, the, the red jerseys with the black thin stripe that thickened yeah. up all down the side. The helmet stayed the same. It was still the ball regular ball state helmet. Which I miss that helmet. Like oh, that helmet's pretty much gone now. So like, cause I, I, I will say, I do like the red ones that say just the words ball say, I, I like I those. I don't like those. They're a little, pl- I mean, and I don't like them better They're, than the original. I like I, the, the matte black ones. Yeah. So, yeah. So I was like, I, I think all they need 
is, I mean, yeah, they're a throwback game. If Purdue can do a throwback game in their Rose Bowl uniforms, True. Ball State can do a throwback game to the undefeated season, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, those were even those were interesting ones too because those ones had like that big thick real red stri- or uh, black stripe black up the side. Stripe, yeah. yeah, I did like those back those, in the Nate Davis. Which speaking of the uh speaking of the undefeated season if you want to go back and relive one of the highlights of that season you can on memory lane on our youtube channel crash course podcast um that's back in the archives there uh we're uh, glad we got off track exactly went went off on the tangent if if you want to watch the uh episode of memory lane where we dive into that you can find that on our youtube channel so see it it wraps up nice and clean it's never a tangent it always has purpose (laughs) That will do it for this week's edition of the Crash Course Podcast. Thank you guys all for hanging out, tuning in, listening, everything like that. Um, Remember, you can follow us at Crash Course FM on Twitter. Like us on Facebook, Crash Course Podcast. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel, Crash Course Podcast, where you can see uh, the podcast in its entirety, as well as little segments here and there. Um, and then you can also listen every week on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever podcasts can be heard. You can hear the Crash Course Podcast. B. Scott, where can they find you? Find me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Scott 87. And Craig, give them one more reminder about Twitch and where they can find us Ab- next week on Twitch. Absolutely. So next week, the podcast, the live recording of the podcast will be moved to Twitch. Um, so the first week it will be on my personal Twitch page, uh, twitch.tv slash Craig Crash. And the following week, uh, we will provide you uh, with the link uh, for the new Twitch uh, channel, which will be where the podcast will be um, from there on. So uh, make sure you, you go to twitch.tv slash Craig Crash. Make sure you follow. Um, we'll have the podcast. Um, I'm thinking about going live a little bit earlier, um, kind of informally, and then we'll officially go formal and, and go into uh, go into the regular podcast mode. So that's just kind of a little producing on the fly here, but that's the plan for the Crash Course podcast. If you want to see the mess behind the scenes? Join in early. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Get get there before a little bit beforehand there. So yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. Really excited for it. Um, so make sure you tune in. Uh, but until then, have a good week, everybody.